Some of our elders come up front with our Haiti Creekside missions team. Why don't y'all make your way up front? Um, we do have a, a team that's going to Haiti this year, and they're leaving on Wednesday. And uh, what we want to do now is commission them. We want to pray for them. And one of the best things that we can do as a church is to pray for them. Obviously, all of us are not going, right? But here's the things that we want to pray for them for. We want to pray for their safety. Obviously, they're flying. They're going to a place that uh, they haven't been a lot before. Some of them have been there before. Some of them haven't. But the number one thing that we can pray for them for and this is what we want for ourselves too, is that they would love on people and bring the gospel to people, right? I mean, that's what we're here for, to love on people and to bring the gospel to people. And really, we want to pray for their physical safety, but spiritually, we want to pray that they will take risks for the gospel, right? That's what we want to do too, is take risks for the gospel. So, this is the audience participation Part, okay, now I need you to participate quickly because if you don't participate quickly in this, the service is going to go long and it's going to be your fault, not mine. Okay, so I have cards. All these are is it says pray for and then a person and then a short line as to what their role on the team is. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to say who wants to pray for Bob Vaughn is our first one. And you are going to shoot a hand up. First hand that goes up, I need my helpers, my runners, they're going to come up here. And they're going to run this card to you, okay? Even if you don't get a card, you need to, we all need to as a church, dedicate to praying for this team, right? Because they need God's power to go with them, all right? So here we go. I'm going to say who's going to pray for so-and-so. I need you to raise your hand quickly, okay? They will run the card to you. And then you put this somewhere that you know you will see every day, okay? Now, I would like to think that that would be in your Bible. But for a lot, it might not be, right? It should be, but it might not be. So put it on in, your, on your, in your car. Don't read it while you drive. Um, but put it somewhere where you see every day. So, here we go. Who will pray for Bob Vaughn? Right here. Who will pray for Tom Noonan? In the back right there. Sorry if you beat her, I can't see everything. Who will pray for Tom Keller? In the back right there. Keep your hand up until you get the card. Who will pray for Bob Calmer? Vance. Who will pray for, and this is cool, Matt Calmer is Bob's son who recently got saved, so this is a great trip for him. Who will pray for Matt Calmer? Heather, over there. Who will pray for Tom Baird? And then we also have, you guys could sit, actually, I'm going to give one more, one more, Adam, you stay here. I have a list of people, okay, that aren't necessarily from Creekside, but they're going with these crazy people um, to Haiti. We have Anne, I'm probably going to mess up these names, but Anne Wank from Carroll, Iowa, Stephanie Cochran, Kristen Hessler, and Colette Wagner, all from Michigan, okay, and we want to dedicate to pray for them too. So who will pray for that group collectively? Right over there, Lori in the corner. All right, we're going to have uh, some of our elders right after. You can tell who the controlling one in the group is. I'm not a control freak. Uh, three Toms in the group, I'll be known as the real Tom, okay? I'm a great believer in leading, following, or getting out of the way. Uh, Bob is our most seasoned member on the trip. He's already delegated some duties. I see that I'm the flight steward <laughs> as we go over Cuba, 
and uh, in charge of nightlife in Pignon. Uh, tell you what, the club scene there isn't what you might think it is, but anyway. Uh, so, uh, again, leading, following, or get out of the way. Bob, would you come up here? Lord, we just want to commit this uh, team of men to you. Uh, we pray that you would guide them and be with them and go before them and open up doors of opportunity for the gospel, that uh, you would be preparing hearts and lives to receive the gospel and that children and adults uh, would hear the good news and respond positively in faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Uh, bless them, watch over them, provide for all their needs. And may they be a real blessing to the people of Haiti there. And may this also be a real blessing in their lives as they serve you in this way and grow closer to their Lord. And uh, we just commend them now in the grace of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Father, your word says that you have given us everything we need for life and for godliness. And Lord, we trust that that includes everything that this Haiti team needs as they embark on this mission trip. Lord, may you watch over them and protect their hearts. Uh, may you give them a real passion and excitement. And may that be something that spills over to the people that they're uh, reaching and ministering to and serving. Lord, we, it's a beautiful thing uh, to see those who want to go out, want to serve, want to be ambassadors for the gospel. And so we commit them to you and ask that your great grace and blessing would just be over every part of this trip. And we commit them to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Father, we give thanks for the gospel that you gave your only son to be our savior. And thank you for giving us the privilege of sharing that news. And we just pray for these men as they, and the rest of them too as they go down to Haiti to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ there. And that you would just guide them each morning as they get up and direct who they talk to and what they say and what activities they participate in. And as we go with them in spirit too, that we would do the same here at home, that we would bring the good news of Jesus Christ to those around us. We pray and commit them to you, pray for safety and leading and just a blessing on their time. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you, <clears throat> sorry, you guys can all stand with us as we sing these next two songs before Nick comes up. I'm really excited this morning because I get to sing with my sisters, and that's always uh, a lot of fun for me. Emily and Anna are joining us this morning, and, and as Raleigh would say, uh, it's really nice to have O'Beerns up here that actually have talent, so, uh, so it's good to sing with them this morning. And now, as we try to uh, focus ourselves on not what's going on around us, but on our Savior this morning, you guys can all just close your eyes, do what you need to do to, to focus on the cross. Uh, it's really cool. Two weeks ago, I was talking to the band about how we get up here and we don't want to be performers and we don't want to be people that are singing at others. We want to be people that are singing with others. Uh, and, and Nick ran and I didn't know what he was doing. And I see him just like struggling carrying the cross up in the balcony. So if you guys turn around, if you guys could see that, we actually have the cross there. And so our focal point is not y'all, 
it's, it's Christ. And so it was really cool that Nick gave us just that as a symbol of that. As you guys look to the cross or to the heavens or just close your eyes, we want to focus and just sing praises to our Savior this morning. Most of us at our core just want to be free. But God, if we're honest, even if we are Christians and have come to Jesus, if we're honest, a lot of us just feel trapped inside this broken body. God, some of us are some of us are just believing lies from Satan over and over and over again. God, real, true freedom comes when we can claim what that song says, that I've got nothing of myself left to hold on to. That it's all yours, God, that I surrender every single piece of my life, that I'll stop believing lies, that I will claim the name of Jesus as my identity and I am free because I have surrendered everything to you. God, that my brokenness and, and, the, and my sin, God, it's all reconciled in your son, Jesus. And so I just claim freedom in the name of Jesus upon every person in this room. God, I just pray now that your Holy Spirit would flood our hearts. God, that the fire of your Spirit would consume us so much today in these moments that you would just, you would work us and chisel us down till there's nothing left of us for, to hold on to. In our brokenness, we come to you. In our suffering, we come to you. Some of us in our joy, we come to you, God, as we are. There is freedom in the name of Jesus. Say that with me. There is freedom in the name of Jesus. One more time louder. There is freedom in the name of Jesus. And we claim the name of Jesus this morning. We love you, God, and we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. If you've got your Bible, grab it and take it out. Um, your phone, your iPad, whatever. If you don't have a Bible, there's probably one under a seat in front of you somewhere, right? And uh, if you don't own a Bible, you can just have that one, okay? Because we want you to have a Bible, you can just take it with you. Um, but we believe that this is God's inspired word. We believe that it's without error. And we also believe that it says that Satan is the father of all lies. That Satan's native language is just lie. That Satan doesn't 
tell you the truth about who you are. He lies to you about who you are. And the best way to fight a lie is with what? Truth. The best way to fight a lie is with truth. And this is God's truth. So we've got to be in it. We've got to love it. And we're going to preach from it today. But if you don't have a Bible, please steal it from us. All right? We want you to take it. We won't take it back from you out out the door. All right? Just take it. We want you to have it. First Peter, we're going to start in a series today from First Peter. We're just going to get right into it. First Peter, chapter 1, verse 1. Here we go. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So he starts by introducing who he is, right? And the first thing he says about himself is his association with Jesus Christ, right? Because that's the most important thing about him is how he associates with Jesus Christ. Now, this is Peter, right? This, this is the same guy who when Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm going to be handed over to the Gentiles and I'm going to be crucified, what does Peter say to him? No, Lord, that'll never happen. And what does Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. How do you bounce back from that? Right? For Jesus to call you Satan. You don't bounce back from that too easily. This is Peter, all right? This is the same Peter who when Jesus got arrested, right? Right after Peter said, no, Lord, you're never going to go die, right? Then Jesus is arrested, and Peter is confronted in the courtyard by a servant woman, and she says, hey, you were with Jesus. And Peter says, no, I wasn't. I wasn't with Jesus. I'm not, I'm not associated with Jesus, right? And she says, no, you were with Jesus. And Peter two more times denies that he even knows Jesus. And he starts throwing curses down on these people that are telling him, I saw you with Jesus. And he won't claim the name of Jesus at that point. Right now, every single one of us from those two things should in some way identify with Peter. I do. But this is also the same Peter who when Jesus asked him, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Peter was a messed up dude, right? But he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then what did Jesus say? Jesus said to him, you are Peter. The word Peter actually means rock, okay? He says, upon this rock, what he means is upon the confession that you, Peter, just made that I am Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Upon that confession, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. The gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. Jesus said it was his church. He's saying my church, my church, when they're doing what they should be doing, my church, when they're confessing what they should confess, my church, when they're believing what they should believe, my church, when they are loving the world 
like they should be loving the world. My church, when they believe about themselves exactly what I believe about them, that they are loved, that they are redeemed, and that there's no guilt, there's no shame, None of that is left. None of the old self is left. My church, when they claim my name and freedom in Jesus, that is what the gates of hell or anything that come out of the gates of hell can prevail against, right? That's awesome. I mean, like, sit in that for a moment. So Peter starts by saying, I am Peter, and his association with Jesus Christ, because that's the most important thing about him, and people would have known who Peter was, right? And he's reminding us that when we associate with the name of Jesus, individually and together as the church, that hell can't take us down, that hell can't stop us in our suffering and in our weakness, we claim the name of Jesus, and hell can't stop it. I mean, that is powerful. We are the most powerful people in the universe because we claim the name of Jesus. That's awesome, right? I mean, that's insane. Because most of the time, I associate more with the two things at the beginning that were wrong with Peter than I do about the things that are victorious about Peter, right? It's amazing that in my claiming the name of Jesus that God would choose to use me because I know my own heart. And that's it. I mean, we could just go from right there, go look at the book of Acts and say, how did, how did the people in the early church, claim the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives to take the gospel to the world. And hell can't stop that, right? Hell can't stop that. Then Peter goes on to identify who he is speaking to in this letter. I love it. He says, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontius, to those who are believers, to those who are chosen by God to be saved, those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. He's speaking specifically to people who have been scattered across the known world because of their faith in Jesus. They are being persecuted because of their faith in Jesus, and they've been scattered across the whole known world. So today, we're going to talk about suffering. We're not just going to talk about suffering. We're going to talk about suffering well, right? We're not just going to talk about suffering for our faith in Jesus, but in any kind of suffering in life that we would suffer well in Jesus. So here's the one thing, if you remember anything, remember this. Okay, write it down, text it to somebody, however you remember it. Suffering well now, 
Notice key word, well. Suffering well now brings glory later. That's also why I want to title this sermon, Suffering Well. You see that? Suffering well. It's an actual well. Right? Because we want to suffer well and that Jesus is the well that we need to be filled with. Jesus is the one that can fill us so that we will never be thirsty again. He gives living water and he fills us so that we'll never thirst again. So that we suffer well because Jesus is the well that helps us suffer well, right? You can't possibly suffer well without suffering in Jesus. He says, I am Peter, apostle of Jesus. I say, I am Nick, a disciple of Jesus. You can say, I am, your name, a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, a lover of Jesus. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. Here's what I would say for you. I am, and Jesus loves me more than I could ever imagine. That's all we need. What more could we want? A lot of times we don't feel that. Because I think there's some people in the room who are suffering. But here's the deal. You're trying to get through it by yourself. You're trying to push through it alone. And a lot of us are denying. We're just in straight denial of our suffering. Right? Right? We're trying to be strong. We're trying to say, I can do this. But the only way to suffer well is to suffer in Christ. I'll also say this. In order to suffer well in life, especially in the Christian life, is you've got to get to the point where you are willing to be honest with the church around you. You've got to find someone that you can open up to. You've got to find someone that you can share the truth. Okay, I, guy John Reeves. Anybody know John Reeves? Raise your hand. Know the name John Reeves? Whenever he would start a, a Bible study or a prayer group with, with guys, they would always go around and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to pray the truth about yourself. Because praying the truth about yourself, confessing who you really are at your core to God first, right? But honestly, let's be honest, it's easy to confess to God. I don't see him, you know. It's hard to confess right here. But we need it in order to suffer well. Let's go on. First Peter Chapter 1, verse 3. I'm just going to read 3 to 12. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith 
for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. In the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Last Sunday, I was talking to, uh, to somebody that goes here. This person will know who they are as soon as I start talking about them. Um, but I was talking to her about the loss of her sister, right? And not too long before the loss of her sister, the loss of her mom. And last Sunday was seven months anniversary to the loss of her sister, right? And as we were talking, I started thinking about all the other people in our church that have lost people, right? I thought about those in our church who are widows or widowers, people who have lost children, right? That's a kind of suffering that I have yet to understand or be able to grasp. And I pray every day that I'm never given the chance, right? But it's a kind of suffering that is far beyond what I can understand. And it made me think about my cousin Keith. And he died a little over a year ago. A little over a year ago he died. And as I start thinking about how his wife, his widow, her name's Becky, has been processing his death... I've been reading her blogs and everything like that. And honestly, I get to the point where, and I get this way with, with uh, different people as I talk to them about loss, um, but I've gotten to the point with Becky where I've read her blogs and I'm thinking, man, how can you move on so quickly, right? How can you move on so quickly? But then as I read through her blogs, I come to, to realize That there is a difference between moving on in a healthy way in life and forgetting the person you lost, right? Because she's not forgetting Keith. She is suffering well. Because it's weaved all throughout her blog how Jesus is her sustenance. How her faith is the thing that has driven her to be able to move on in life, but never forget her husband. 
because she never is going to forget him and the pain is never going to go away, but it changes as we choose to suffer well in Jesus. I'm sure that there's people in the room who have lost at that level that can relate to that. But what about people around the world, specifically who, first Peter, who, who Peter's talking to, that are suffering because of their faith? They're suffering for the gospel. They're suffering because they love Jesus. Recently in Oregon, people targeted because of their faith to stand for Jesus. Pastor Saeed, he's a pastor from America who is imprisoned in the Middle East. He's been there for three years, tortured, beaten, because he loves Jesus. How do you suffer well in the middle of that? Maybe you're anxious about or afraid about standing up for Jesus in a certain area of life. I don't know. Maybe you've suffered for the gospel on a big scale or a small scale. I don't know. What I do believe about 1 Peter is a great book for us to read because we got to be ready. And I, so I truly believe that maybe the day's coming where in America, beyond what we've already seen, there's going to be a lot more suffering for the gospel, physical suffering. The beautiful thing about that is we don't have to fear that, right? We don't have to fear that. We do, but we don't have to. Because there's more to life. I want to focus on both suffering for Christ, but also as you suffer in life, suffering in Christ. That somehow, through the hardship in life, through wherever your life finds you right now, you can go through that thing with joy. It just said, inexpressible joy. Suffering well. Everyone suffers. There's not a person on the planet, there's not a person in this room that has not suffered in some way. Some of you are suffering physically, some of you are suffering emotionally, some of you are suffering spiritually, whether you know Jesus or not, right? You don't have to know Jesus to suffer. You don't have to not know Jesus to suffer. Every person on the planet suffers in some way. Many of us, I mean, we like to stay in the denial of that suffering because a lot of our suffering is brought on by our own bad choices. So we stay in denial of the consequences that those bad choices produce. But here's what I'll say about those bad choices. That grace is an amazing thing. Instead of grace just being that God has given us what we don't deserve, Right? We've been given salvation and none of us deserve it. Instead of just that being the definition, grace is the fact that you get knocked down, whether it's by someone else or by yourself, and Jesus says, I still love you. I still love you. I still love you. And grace says you can get back up and keep walking forward in Christ. Right? So the question is, since we know suffering does exist for everybody, you can suffer or you can suffer well, right? Let's see what Peter says about this. Suffering well now brings glory later. I want you to know this about Peter. Peter was married. 
Okay, we don't we often don't think about that. We think of Peter, and we don't think that he was married. But in uh, in Matthew and Luke, it says that Peter's mother-in-law was sick. Jesus came to save her. Okay, that's, that's all it says. Right, so Peter was married. Right now, history, not the Bible, but history, tradition says that Peter came to the point where he had to watch his wife be crucified for her faith. What do you think he said to her? I can guess he probably said something like what he just wrote in First Peter. Like, babe, hold on. Our faith, it's almost complete. It's almost complete. I'm jealous of you. You get to see him first, right? Everything that you have ever believed is about to come true because you're face to face with Jesus. Hold on, right? And then Peter himself was crucified upside down because he couldn't bear the thought of being crucified like Jesus, his Savior. So he asked to be crucified upside down and they did it for him. So Peter writes the truth to those who are suffering for Christ. The truth to those who are suffering in Christ, right? But then he's given an opportunity, (laughs) in the most real sense, to live this out. To stand firm till the end in Christ. I love that. Peter lives by this truth, and then he's given an opportunity actually to live it out. By being crucified for the name of Jesus. Right? Some people that's going to scare away from living for Jesus. Right? But let's, let's just go on with this. Verse 3. It says, you have been born again to a living hope. I was meeting with my mentor this last week and we were talking about people that we knew that in the midst of whatever was going on in their life, whether it was high, whether it was low, in the midst of whatever, they seemed to just be joyful. And we look at those people and we're like, how, how are you joyful all the time? How are you smiling all the time? How are you in joy all the time? Right? Because if I was living that situation, I would not be so joyful about it. But you're joyful. It's a living hope. The hope that we have in Christ is meant to be useful for us now. It's living, it's alive, because why? Because Jesus died, rose again, defeated death, so the hope that we have in him is alive and well. A lot of us, when we're suffering, we feel beat down, out of the game, but this is a living hope. That Jesus is alive, and so we can have hope right now. Now, verse 3 goes on and says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have this hope because Jesus defeated death. Verse 4 says, to, all right, this is so much truth about what our salvation has done for us. To an inheritance, okay, with Christ in the family of God. An inheritance that is what? Imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Our hope is future But right now, we are secure in Jesus so we can live in hope now. Right? I love that. Verse 5 says, A salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Okay? And this is really cool. That all suffering, all pain, everything, even our own sin, will be 
reconciled to Jesus in Jesus, right? Positionally, those of us who are in Christ have come to Jesus. When God looks at us, he sees us as right with God, covered by the blood of Jesus, right? So why in the world do we still suffer? Why is that true? If I am in Christ and I know everything is made right in Christ, why am I still suffering? A day is coming when Jesus Christ himself is revealed that all suffering, the Bible says he will wipe away every tear. I mean, this is, this is good news. That all suffering, all pain, all death, everything that we still deal with here on earth will be reconciled in Christ, made right, and done away with. That's hope. That is hope. And so we can suffer well through anything, through anything that hell has to throw at us. Suffering well now brings glory later. I remember the day my cousin Keith passed away. Becky, all she posted on Facebook that day was one phrase to one line of a song. The song, Come As You Are. The chorus says, Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Right? And I remember thinking, that is it. She just lost her husband, and that's the one thing she has to say. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal because she has real hope. She has real hope to suffer well now in the name of Jesus, but she knows all of it, all of it is made well someday. Verse 6 through 8 says this. In this you rejoice, right? In the fact that your salvation is going to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various Trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Various trials. This is the same trials that James chapter 1 talks about. Consider joy. Remember when Sam told us his story, Pastor Sam, and he said, Consider being joyful when you're going through various trials. Consider it joy because the outcome of those trials, when gone through in the name of Jesus, will result in what? Praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Suffering well now brings glory later. Sunday night, last Sunday night at our small group, I was talking to Michael Gentosi and Andrew Clink, and uh, we were just talking about how Satan is dirty. He fights dirty, right? And how Satan attacks us. And so I said, hey, here's the encouraging thing, is that if you're feeling Satan's attacks on your life, good chance is he's threatened by you. Because why would he waste his time with you if he's already got you in his pocket, right? And then Andrew has to pipe up, and uh, he says, well, truth is, suffering in the name of Jesus is actually one of the things that Jesus promised if we followed him. I was like, thanks, Andrea. It's not encouraging, right? It's like, if I follow Jesus, I am promised suffering. How is that encouraging? 
the truth of the matter is, and it should be a comfort to know the fact that we all suffer in the midst of that suffering. We can go through it in hope, in the hope that salvation brings. We can't escape the truth of what is, but we can choose how we're going to live in it, right? In a moment, we're going to take communion. And all that is, is a symbol that Jesus gave us, that Jesus gave his disciples before he went to the garden, before he went to die. He said, hey, I'm going to die, and here's the bread, symbolic of my body broken for you. Here's the cup, symbolic of the blood that I've poured out for you so that you can be free. Really. So you can know what true freedom is. Let's read verse 10. Concerning this salvation that Jesus has given us. The prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. When we, uh, I, sorry, I lied. I promised I wouldn't talk about our move to Urbandale anymore, but it's still affecting me, so I, I, I lied. Um, when we were on our way back to our, our new house in Urbandale, the night we moved, we had gone back to Ankeny. Um, we were there for four hours or so, and we had cried a lot, said goodbye to our neighbors, went through our house and said, thank you, Lord, for every room in the house, right? We thank the Lord for that neighborhood. We thank the Lord for our neighbors, all that stuff. And our kids, I drove back in my truck with one more load. Heather was alone with the kids in the car and they were bawling. They were wailing. Micaiah even said, I wish that only, oh, correct me if I'm wrong. I wish that only people and God existed and not moving, right? <laughs> and so they are bawling. And so Heather starts praying, Lord, I don't know what to say to them. Like, because she's bawling too, right? And so I believe the Spirit just came upon her and she just started preaching the gospel to our kids. And she said, kids, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was in such anguish that he was sweating like drops of blood. And he asked, he begged his father that if there was any other way, to achieve salvation for people, then let that be how it happened. And God said no. His father said no. And Jesus made a choice. I'm gonna obey. And so then she asked my kids, when Jesus chose to obey, did things get better for him? And they were all like, yeah. No. No, it didn't. Because he had to make a choice that he was gonna obey his father in heaven and then he actually had to go obey. He was beaten, mocked, crucified, but he was separated from his father. His father in heaven turned his back on him. And then Heather says, but what happened after he died? And Margot, my four-year-old, Margot pipes up and says, they buried him in the grave and he rose again, right? Boom! That's it. Suffering 
well for Christ now definitely equaled glory later. Because where is he right now? He is seated. He is standing. When Stephen looked up and saw Jesus, he was standing next to his Father in heaven. Glory, right? And then, this is the best part for me, I love this. Heather goes, all right, kids, I want you to listen to this song. Band, you guys can start coming back up. He, she says, I want you to listen to this song. It's a song that I've been listening to this whole month as I've been uh, in sorrow about this move, right? I don't know what the song's called, but it's a rap song by Andy Minio, I think is Andy Minio. This song is all about Satan trying to deceive us, and the chorus says, essentially, because I'm in Christ, and there's a part in the song that says, you can't stop me, right? And so she says, kids, everything that we're feeling right now is a lie from Satan, but we are in Christ. So by the time they got to Urbandale, all four of my kids, including Ivy, however she does it, are yelling, you can't stop me, right? That is life in Jesus. That's it. You can't stop me. The truth is that I am no match for Satan. He will take me down every single time. But Satan is no match for Jesus. Why? Because I am Nick and I am found in Christ. So there's two tables up front and there's one in the back. We're going to worship together. If you don't know Jesus, it's okay just to sit there. Don't feel awkward about walking up. To t- it's okay just to sit there and watch and think. Jesus loves you beyond what you can imagine. Jesus loves you beyond what you can imagine. Father, We beg you, freedom on every soul in the room today. In the name of Jesus, we worship you and we claim power over Satan. And we will scream at him as we sing, you can't stop me. Because we claim Jesus. In the power of Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. You're a good, good father. To you are, to you are, to you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am. That sounds like victory to me. I want to share one more verse with you. How do you do this? How do you do this? Second Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. That's how we do it. Every thought, every thought captive to obey Christ. God, I can't do this. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And if you're in the room today and you don't know Jesus and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, he loves you more than you can imagine. I ask, what is keeping you 
from his loving arms. So I admit it's my fault we went late today, but we're going to sing one more song. And if you have to go get kids, you can do that. But if you have to stay here, they'll wait for you. And we're just going to proclaim victory. We're going to claim victory in Jesus' name. So let's sing one more song together as we finish.